Hey Rockers, welcome back to Extra Credit, the Rock You podcast. This is episode two. So we're going to do, what are you wearing today again? So Matt, what are you wearing today? Well, today I'm wearing my t-shirt of the band Cake. And I'm wearing Cake because we're going to talk today about our top five covers. And Cake is my number one. Cake's your number one. Oh. You just told me your number one. You weren't supposed Let's, to tell me we that. Should, we, could, we could do that again if you like. Nah, it's all right. <laughs> okay. So I'm wearing, uh, I'm wearing a t-shirt from my favorite Houston radio station growing up that is no longer 97 Rock. Nice. Bringing it back old school. Old school, man, where I first started learning about all this stuff. We yeah. should have probably said this. Please welcome my co-host, Seth Hankley, sitting to my left thank here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and the dean of Rock U, the one, the only, Matt Black. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> I better stop doing that. It's going to become a thing. (laughs) So we're going to go over our top five. We're going to call them notable covers. Notable covers. Covers that we like that might sound exactly like the other song. It might not sound like the other song. It uh, could be something that you've heard. could be something that you're not aware of. And uh, I think we're, are we going to keep the same format and go five to I one? I think we should. And we're going to, all right. So you started last time. I think I'll start this I think time. so. Folks, we are figuring this out as we go along. All seven of you who are listening, by the time we get to episode 500, we'll have this worked out. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> so uh, my number five cover is Jet Airliner by Steve Miller. Nice. And a lot of people don't know that that is a cover because... The guy who recorded it originally was a guy named Paul Pena. And he recorded that, I want to say his record was recorded in 1970, but it didn't come out for like another 30 years for whatever reason between him and the record company. And I think there's a whole long story that goes behind it. But um, I really like his uh, oddly enough i think his version is better than the steve miller cover but i picked this because most people think it's a steve miller original i yeah i think everybody does i did until recently as a matter of fact so, yeah yeah and the the cool. that paul Pena record is actually a pretty good record if you go through and listen to the whole thing so cool. he's it's it's not as it's not as up tempo as steve miller is but yeah like and Steve Miller changed a little bit of the lyrics, but you know, there's still a bit about getting on the 707 and all that funky going down in the city. (laughs) We paused for that one. Yeah. We'll bleep that out later. So what's your number five? Well, I didn't put these necessarily in preference order, but I, each of my five covers, I think, uh, I tried to pick something that demonstrates an aspect of covering a song. So I'm going to start with, I'm going to start with, um, the one that I often play for rock you bands when we're talking about songs to play. And the reason we do this, the reason I do this is because I try to make the distinction between copying a song and covering a song. Now, you can cover a song like you said, and it can sound just like the original. There's plenty of songs, plenty of examples of that. Same key, same tempo, same instrumentation, and so on. But sometimes you can take a cover and really make it your own. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, like to totally change the genre on it. Change everything about everything it. Everything about it. And if we can get our tech side to work, uh, we're going to play you this song, and I guarantee you you'll recognize it, but you won't know what it is. So we'll do that now. Won't you please let me 
Now we're back, and <laughs> we'll see if that worked. And uh, now we're back, and that is the Civil Wars covering "I Want You Back" by the Jackson Five. It is Ooh, a completely, it's completely transformed. No one would recognize that song right away as "I Want You Back." It changes it entirely. I like yeah. that aspect of taking a cover or taking a song. If you're going to cover it, copy it, fine, but make it your own even better. Yeah, yeah. That's a good one. Number four on my list is uh, one that actually, it sounds close, but not, there's a distinct difference between it and the original, probably because the BPM is a little higher and it's got a little more energy to it. And that's hard to say about this song. Higher Ground, the original by Stevie Wonder, but the cover by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And the, the, the energy that the Chili's put into that song, it, you know, Stevie's, Stevie's got groove and the Chili's are just like groove on speed. It's just, it's a, I, I really like that cover. Um, I'm going to pick a cover next. Uh, it's a song I love and I love both the um, quote unquote original artist and the cover. And in fact, the original artist is already a cover, but it's feeling good. And uh, I love the Muse cover of the Nina Simone song, which is actually already a cover from a show tune that came out probably ah. 20 years before she recorded it. I don't know the exact date. The reason I love Muse's cover is because it's very respectful of Nina Simone's version. Now, Nina Simone made this song her own, and I don't think anybody who's heard the original would think it's better than her version. Yeah. But Muse really honored her. And I'm going to challenge you as the listener, you can put the answer in the show notes or in the comments somewhere, to find the, the Muse changed a single word in the lyrics, and it makes all the difference in terms of what, their, what they meant when what they the covered the song. What the song means to yeah. them. Yeah. Right, and also how it means something to them without taking something away from her. Wow. Changing one word? Yeah, one word. that's... that's yeah. Hmm. I'm going to have to go back and listen uh, to that. I'll tell you that. what it is offline. Okay. <laughs> uh, my number three is Hallelujah by Jeff Buckley, the, the Leonard Cohen song. That This is one of those tunes that I think Jeff Buckley took Cohen's song and just made the definitive version of it. Because Leonard Cohen, God love him, the man's just got a voice like a gravel road. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's uh, the song he wrote is great. You know, I think he was the story about is he wrote like something like a hundred verses for it. I think there's seventeen official verses, but uh, something like that. It's a lot of verses. Maybe it's more like forty. But Buckley's Buckley's version, I think, is the the definitive one. I mean, he just did such a great job with that song. Agreed. And those of you who are uh, of a certain age, you might know the Rufus Wainwright cover from Shrek. That's not a bad cover either. You're right. It's not. Well, I'm going to go on the same theme then. I'm going to move my order around a little bit and go again with the cover, which is the definitive version of the song. And there's a lot of examples of this, but I'm going to go with Twist. Can I guess? Yeah, sure. I already gave it away. Oh, you said Twist and Shout. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. I was going to go with All Along the Watchtower. but That's a good one. That's a good one. You could have gone with I Love Rock and Roll. There's a whole bunch you could do, but I'm going to go with Twist and Shout by the Beatles. 
Be- this is a, a fantastic uh, Ferris, performance. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah. <laughs> and one of the notable things about the the song is, back in the day, as they say, the Beatles had to record that entire album. I think it was Meet the Beatles in the U.S. was the name of the album because they had different names in the yeah. U.S. and the U.K. Uh, it was the last song recorded, and they had to record the entire album in a single day. So John Lennon's voice was shot by the end of the day to the point where they weren't going to record it and they just decided to go for it. And you can hear the intensity and the just the outpouring of emotion and the... The, just, the crack oh, in his voice. Yeah. Just fantastic. But a lot of people don't know the song was originally recorded by the Isley Brothers and it's fine, yeah. but it doesn't pop. The no, Beatles version uh, the pops. Beatles, the Beatles version totally And it is it the pop. definitive version of the song, except for Ferris uh, Bueller maybe. No, 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 because I mean, that's sing, that's the recording. He's just lip syncing to it. That's what I'm saying. If <laughs> if you didn't know that that was the Beatles, that's the Beatles and yeah. Ferris Bueller when yeah. he's getting up there and doing the dance and everything. All right, so uh, number two for me is uh, Mad World. Uh, talking about taking a song and making your nice. own. Gary Jules with Michael Andrews, and the original was by Tears for Fears. And it's it's a completely different vibe on the song. And when you listen, when I listen to the original, when I listen to the Tears for Fears original, it's like uh, they're trying to be. The lyrics are really angsty, and they did it with kind of a mid '80s pop deal with it. But the the Gary Jules version with the piano and just the calm and the 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 vocals on it are amazing. Uh, I think it fits the lyrics better than the original. And that's why I think it's the more definitive version of the song. I don't know that one. I'm going to have to listen to it. Oh, you, you've you heard it. Have I? I guarantee you've okay. heard it. It's been in a bunch of movies. What it's am I the, saying? I just heard it on this very podcast. Oh my gosh, the audio there it is. Right before, right that after, could be right before we talked about it. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you know it. You know the Gary Jules version. And I, I would be surprised if people actually knew the tears for fears version when i first heard it i was like wow this is a great song and then i found out it was cover and i went back and listened to the original i was like oh wow yeah no they really took that and changed it up a lot i'm surprised you don't know the original that was a big radio hit mad world by tears for fears I, I must have missed it because I was listening to 97 rock (laughs) and too much van halen and zeppelin and rat and you know all those bands well, I'm going to go with a cover that I like better than the original, and don't be hating. I love Billie Eilish. Billie, I just said Billie Eilish. I love Billie Eilish. I love Billie Eilish. She's one of the most talented songwriters of a generation and pioneered a new sound, and I love the song Bad Guy, but the interrupters took Bad Guy, and they put the hook on a trombone, and they changed the beat to a ska, and they made it oh, a wow. lot faster, and it is so much fun to play and listen to. It was my most played song on Spotify Wow, I'm gonna have to go look that one up. I don't know that one. Yeah, if you've heard of a band called the Doodads, they're a well-known Paris party band. They play they're awesome. By yeah, the way. they're pretty good. They play the Interrupters version of the song when they. I play have that not band. heard you guys do that. I'm I I'm I am missing out on awesomeness that I don't need you to miss out. Definitely on. are. Duh. <laughs> of course. That's from the song, obviously. <laughs> All right, so my number one has it's hurt. By Johnny Cash, and you could recorded by Rick Rubin, and the original is Nine Inch Nails song. And uh, Trent Reznor said he was like, "Man, Cash got more out of that song than I ever could." It's like 
that song came from my heart. I wrote that thing. And Cash took it and made it his own. He was like, I don't know if Reznor has ever said that it's the definitive version, but in my opinion, oh yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a, when Nine Inch Nails does it, it's, it's a heart wrencher when you listen to them and their version of it. But just Cash's voice at his age when he recorded that and just the stripped down version and whatever Rick Rubin did and the engineering of it, just, it's an amazing recording. It's an amazing record. It's an amazing performance. Well, when the guy who wrote the song says it's his song now, I think, yeah. I think you've done I'm a not good sure. cover. I'm not sure he's ever said I that. He, I think he did. Did he? I'll, I'll okay. see if I can dig up the quote. I didn't want to yeah. say he did without knowing that he actually said it, but okay. Yeah, I think he did. I'll go with my number one. I already tipped, tipped my, or showed my hand a little bit. Uh, I'm going to go with Cake. Cake is a great, uh, I mean, great original band, obviously, but they do great covers and they have a distinctive sound. And their recording of Gloria Gaynor's hit, I Will Survive, is my favorite rock song. It's got a fantastic bass line. It's got a great horn part. It's got a great guitar part. Uh, Everything about it makes me happy to play it, to listen to it, to watch it, the video. But um, the the way... that's his name up, John McClane, I think it is. Not not spelled the same as the diehard hard hero. Die hard I might have, I might be messing his name up. I'm pretty sure it's John McClane. Um, the way the cake vocalist sings it, he completely changes it from this uh, empowered, uh, self-affirming meaning to this. I'm trying to empower myself, but really I'm just whining and miserable. <laughs> and it goes so it goes so well with the anger in the guitar and the bass and the horns and the 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 the, the flailing around emotionally. I just love the song. I can't. I just. It's one of my. It's pr- it's probably my favorite rock song of all. It's a really good. It's a really good cover. It's a, it takes the the original and makes something totally brand new out of it. And yet very recognizable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, I mean, you, you know, it's the song. The horn part's amazing. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what makes Cake. Cake would, to me, would be an average band, except for the horn parts and some of the other stuff that that they do is just that puts them over the top. That's what we say about the doodads too, but that's a, for another episode. Yeah. Well, without the know. horns, we're just another band. <laughs> <laughs> that's good stuff. So we'll have a playlist of all these songs, but also a few more. We've got our Rock You Spotify list of 50 songs you probably didn't know were covers. We've also got the originals on that playlist and a YouTube playlist of the originals that aren't available on Spotify that go with those 50 50 songs. And we also have a list. Maybe we'll consolidate some of these lists eventually, but we also have a a Spotify (laughs) playlist uh, that shows what I was talking about with the Jackson 5 cover. Uh, Basically... Two songs back to back, the original and the cover, and how you can change a song to make it a cover. We'll put links to all those playlists in the show notes below. Sweet. Hey, Matt, tell us about our sponsor for today. We are very happy to be sponsored today by Big Pebble Records. Big Pebble is your one stop recording shop for all Anglophone music in Paris, any level, any style. You can hear their first release, Posture, by former Rock U student Person M, out now on all major streaming platforms. All right, we're back, and in our last podcast episode, we introduced you to Seth's Legal Brain. 
in a discussion about music <laughs> copyright law. Well, there's been a you know a really interesting story in the news lately. Uh, you might be wondering why is Taylor Swift re-recording her own albums? Well, Seth's going to tell you a little bit more about that. Okay, so Taylor Swift has just well she released two of her first six albums uh, re-recorded the Taylor's version. So uh, I'll tell you why you want to buy those instead of the other ones here in a minute. Going back to when Taylor was 15 and she signed her record contract with Big Machine Records, uh, they had a hundred in the contract. It stated that they had a hundred percent ownership of her master recordings. Now, if you'll remember from the last podcast, basically there's two copyrights that go into music. One's the composition, the notes on the page, on the staff and the lyrics and all that. And then one's on the actual recording about how it's played, how many, you know, what instruments you use and all that. So it's the song that, you know, in her contract, she, uh, kept the rights to the composition, but she gave her rights to her masters to Big Machine Records. <clears throat> she also had a provision in her contract that said she couldn't re-record her albums until November of 2020. She really wanted to own her masters. At one point in 2020, I'm not sure it was before November, uh, a guy named Scooter Braun, who just happens to be Justin Bieber's manager, who Taylor Swift really doesn't like, uh, bought Big Machine Records, the company that she had the contract with. And then in November of 2020, Scooter Braun, probably being smart and knowing that she had the re-record clause in the contract saying that she could re-record her first six albums in November of 2020, he actually sold the rights to Taylor Swift's six-album package for the Masters to a company called Shamrock Holdings, uh, for a, allegedly for $300 million. But Taylor knew that she'd be able to re-record her albums and thus own the masters to those albums. So she's re-recorded her first two records and is essentially telling Scooter Braun and then Shamrock Holdings that we are never, ever, ever getting back together. So, uh, nice. well done. yeah, she, she began recording fearless on, uh, in April of 2021. Uh, oh no, she released it in April of 2021. And then she just released red here on November 12th of 2021. So she actually still does not own the copyright to the masters of, of the first recordings, but she owns the copyright to the masters of the second recordings. So if you want to support Taylor Swift and not some giant investment company, <laughs> uh, when you stream on Spotify, when you or or Apple Music or wherever you get your streaming from, or you buy a download, or you actually go and buy the record or the CD, uh, go buy the one that says Taylor's version. Because I've listened to a, a few of the songs on each of the records, and they sound eerily similar because she got some of the same people to play on the record that she had the first time. Uh, and I think the production value is actually better on the second set of recordings. I don't Should know. Have be? you listened yeah. to any of the new oh, ones? Yeah. yeah. So I, I, you know, so that's that's why she's re-releasing the first six records in her discography. So uh, if you want to support Taylor, listen to Taylor's version 
It'll be in parentheses after the after the name of the album. Cool. And for those of you out there who think, ah, oh, that's not rock and roll, hey, listen, if you don't know much about Taylor Swift, you really need to go check her out. She's a remarkable person with an incredible musical background. Yeah, she's she's one of the few artists that writes her own songs. I mean, this is not the 68 people writing, you know, just let's pick this beat, let's put this with it. She actually sits down with a guitar and, and writes the songs. Now, there's a lot of breakup songs. There's a lot about her angsty relationships because she started recording when she was 15, you know. We watched her grow up. Yeah, and we listened to everything about her entire social life that she put out on those records. But good music, bops along too. I mean, uh, we are never getting back together. I, I can't tell you how many times I've seen kids just turn that up and start screaming the lyrics. She's awesome. Okay, so we're back. And we're going to do our one-minute matchup. You got the stopwatch ready. Matt's ready with the stopwatch. Awesome. So we're going to do Strats versus Les Pauls. And because I own a Strat, and because Matt owns two Les Pauls, he's going to take Les Paul, and I'm going to take Strat. So you got the clock ready for me? Or am I? Yes, I got the clock ready. <laughs> All right. You ready to go? I am. Here we go. Three, two, one, hit it. Boom. Okay, so Strat versus Les Paul, it really just comes down to what kind of tone you're looking for. And I'm going to go through tone by talking about some of the guys that actually play Strats versus Les Pauls. So Jimi Hendrix, Stevie Ray Vaughan, Eric Clapton, David Gilmore, The Edge, Buddy Holly, Mark Knopfler, even though not on Brothers in Arms, Bonnie Raitt, Eric Johnson, a guy you should look up. Uh, Kenny Wayne Shepherd, who happens to be my buddy's brother-in-law, who's also another guy you should look up. Really great blues guitarist. Uh, Dave Murray from Iron Maiden plays a, plays a Strat, and Tom Morello. And even though Jimmy Page, Billy Gibbons, uh, Pete Townsend, Randy Rhodes, Peter Frampton, Joe Perry from Aerosmith, and Slash all play Les Pauls, I think, hey, I'm right at a minute. Uh, I'm I'm thinking Strat wins on that one, just for the amount of guys that actually play it. All right, one minute, six seconds. Not bad, not bad. Here's the stopwatch. All right. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's go. I'll give you all those names. Most of my favorite guitarists play Strats. I'll also throw in a couple more arguments on your side. Strats are cheaper. They're lighter. They're more popular, they're easier to repair, and they're easier to modify. So those are all arguments in favor of a Strat. Strats also can do things that Les Pauls can't with the setting of the pickup positions because they can sound funky and out of phase. And a, a, a good Strat played like a Strat sounds like nothing else. A Strat is like a Swiss Army knife. It can imitate a lot of other guitar sounds. That said, the one thing it can't do is it can't sound like a really good Les Paul. Because of the pickups, even if you have humbucker pickup in your Strat, and Les Pauls usually have humbucker pickups, which are different kind of pickups, even if you have a humbucker pickup in your Strat, it's very hard to, to get the same power and warmth and richness that you get from a Les Paul. Also, Les Pauls have a shorter neck, so they feel better a lot of the time for people who have smaller hands. A, a Strat is like a Swiss Army knife. A Les Paul is like a saber. If you want a saber... You need a Les Paul. Sometimes that's all that will do. Minute six as well. 
when I when I sat down to uh, at at the guitar center when I bought my Strat, I actually sat down and played a bunch of different guitars. And the reason I picked the Strat was it just felt better in my hands. It was the easiest for me to play. I don't I don't think weight had anything to do with it, you know, because Les Pauls are heavier than a than a Strat is, but. Uh, it just it just felt better and easier to play. It was it was smooth for me. It's all about what feels right for you. And uh, Les Pauls have shorter necks, but they also have slightly wider necks. So smaller handed people may feel more comfortable on a Les Paul or a Strat, depending on what feels comfortable to do. Weight doesn't necessarily matter for you know big strong guy like you, but I can tell you a Les Paul can be eleven or twelve pounds, and a Strat's usually seven or eight pounds. That doesn't seem like a big difference, but after three hours on a stage with a guitar around your shoulder, that feels like a pretty big oh, difference. Oh, yeah, that would feel that way for yeah. me, too. I mean, you could be strong for a little bit, but yeah. having a large <laughs> weight around your neck for a long time, that'll, that'll wear on you. Ultimately, when you can change the, the sound of a guitar in lots of different ways through guitar effects, through amp settings, through different amps, through strings and picks. You can change, uh, but you can't really change the way it feels and the way it looks. So you should really choose a guitar based on those things and if what feels right to you is a les paul you need a les paul if what feels right to you is a strat you should take a strat um we have a rock you uh buyer's guide for the beginning guitarist online and i will put a link to that in the show notes so the holidays are coming if you're thinking of picking up a guitar for your loved one or for yourself check it out hey rockers we've got some exciting news the last time we played an indoor show was December 2019 at La Boule Noire, one of the best venues in Paris. Well, the show after that was scheduled for March 2020. Can you guess what happened? That show never happened and we haven't had an indoor show since, but we are back. December 12th, all of our student bands, 20 in all, will play an amazing show at La Boule Noire. Check out our website, Facebook, and Instagram for details. Extra Credit, the Rock U podcast, is a production of Rock U. Expertly engineered and recorded by my good friend Seth Hinkley. And our theme music is written and produced by Tom Walters. Rock U is a nonprofit association, Loi 1901, and we'll see you next time.